The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing, man? little tired you know you got the uh the 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 early the early taping today you know i kept waking up every 10 minutes so i didn't like miss the time so i got crappy sleep it's all your <laughs> fault well i i do apologize but uh you know got uh got a bunch of stuff scheduled today and uh so we figured we'll kick it out early and uh you know uh Next time, uh, we, we can make it later in the day, and you could we'll make up. I'll give you two more hours sleep. Nah, the earlier the better, but you know, <laughs> I should have said 9 30. You know, usually I get up right around this time, sure. Well, you know, uh, it, it was a it was a weekend that uh gave us a little wrestling action in Las Vegas. We were just kind of starting to talk about it a little bit. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong was in town, and um, we got to see FSW's very own 1%, as they were known in FSW, versus Gregory Sharp and Jacob Austin Young. And boy, I'll tell you, man, um, Jacob Austin Young and Gregory Sharp made the 1% look good. Yeah, you know, and it was good to see the uh, J-A-Y chance and the 1% chance. And, you know, it, it's good to see. You know, it was great going to the New Japan show. I got to see a lot of FSW fans that I don't see at FSW anymore. So, you know, it was nice catching up on them. So, let, in your mind, that's an interesting question that I really never thought of. As a promoter, as someone who sees these fans constantly, what is it to you that separates the idea of fans showing up on a regular basis and then fans who will maybe not show up at FSW for a longer period of time, but you being a person who's around and, and has the ring crew and the ring and you know other responsibilities, you get a chance at these other shows to see the fans that show up. It, what what do you think is behind the fact that you know fans is it they have to pick and choose is it expenses is it that maybe they're able to get free tickets from new japan or some of these other shows that come in to fill their arena to you know make it look good for tv uh i think it's actually a combination of everything it, it, it's it's really weird to me because if i don't see them at all but it's like, you know, if you don't see them, you hear them because they're always commenting on Facebook as if they were there, you know. And it's like, well, did they keep up? Did they really buy the pay-per-view? You know, do they have their favorites? 
and I, I'm I'm sure they do. You know, if Funny Bone posts about something, oh man, uh, I I love you, and it's like, okay, well then, why don't you come to the show? You know, well when when he's wrestling, you know, and again, it, it, it the house seats that they provide, obviously, there's plenty of people I see that only come unless they get a house. Yeah, you know. And we've dealt with vet ticks a lot. And, you know, we feel at least, you know, we're, we're giving back in, in that situation. Right. You know, when Samstown used to try to make us get 700 instead of 500 and do house seats, I would always request not to do house seats instead of fill a seat because a lot of our fans got house seats and we would lose out on revenue from people that would actually buy tickets. And it was like, whoa, 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 you know, you're making us pay for this room. We got to get our money back and you're, you're giving away, you know, they do it like they'll ask. But it's like, you know, when we would do vet ticks or fill a seat, we would see. I remember getting a list one time and it was like, holy crap. Like, you know, we did a hundred and on one we did 50 on another and the house seats was like 50. And out of the 50, I recognize like 32 names. And out of the 100 on the other company, I recognized like four. It was wow. like, yeah, we'll, we'll go with them. Wow. Because yeah. everybody seems to get house seats. So, you know, and, and we see it like now. We're, we're presenting the Mecca. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, I need two front row. I need four front row. I need two front row. And the bigger shows matter. And yeah. it doesn't matter if it's Tito Escondido, Danny Limelight, The 1%, Davey Richards, Bay Hammerstone, the regular crew that we would use. It's the fact that it's a totally different type of show. And it's no disrespect to the regular roster, but we run so many of those shows it's so much easier these days to miss that show or, Hey, I subscribe to the network for seven bucks. Why would my group of three or four, we got to pay 120 to come and watch the show. And it's a hundred degrees inside the FSW arena during the summer. I can, I can relax in the luxury of my house. You know, in most cases, the feed is really good. And you see everything that happens, and it's a fraction of the cost. Yeah. But then when there's a bigger cost, like the Meccas, and we're doing them on a pay-per-view that are 15 bucks, but you're getting to see some faces you haven't seen. You know, I made a post, and, you know, we, we announced Toa Leona's back. Hey, cool, here's a guy. We He started with us, and now he's... Not seen that much because he's on Ring of Honor, but hey, here's a guy who's who's stepped up to the next level, and a right. Danny Limelight who has had good success over the last few months. We added him, and a guy that we used very recently, Tito Escondido, who's now wrestling Okada and Suzuki, and he's going to Japan, and you know, all of a sudden we we have him back, you know, on the show mixed in. With Davy Richards, Hammerstone, Bay, Chris Masters is back. You know, we're talking with you know numerous different people, 
And now people are excited, man. It's the Mecca. Like, the Mecca has its own aura about it. That you know with the Mecca, you're going to see some of the best FSW talent, the main guys, mixed right. in. They're going to get sprinkled in and having extremely competitive matches with guys they see on TV or that they've known about for years and years and years. With uh, the Mecca coming up in October, um, it's going to be October 23rd. It's the Sunday after uh, the tapings at Samstown for Impact Wrestling. Um, with some of these guys, like Chris Masters, let's say, that come in uh, this time for this Mecca, is there going to be uh, meet and greets, any kind of special packages, anything? Yeah, like yeah, we're, we're having the VIP gold package. It's 75 bucks for front row instead of 50 but you get a event poster, you get admission into the meet and greet, you, you know, you get the early seating. So, you know, if you were going to buy that separately, you know, you're going to save yourself 10, 15 bucks from, from that meet and greet and things like that. Uh, the biggest thing that came out of there, besides seeing my boy Che Cabrera, the 1%, Tom Lawler, you know, was speaking to the new people in charge at Samstown. And, okay. you know, making that Joe DeFalco pitch. It's like, hey, guys, you know, just want to say we're going to be setting up the ring. You know, I know you guys don't like doing a lot of things, but you're already here Friday and Saturday. My rings are ready here. Friday and Saturday, we're setting up the chairs, the trussings all there. The labor cost to just run another show on Sunday is non-existent for them. Right. So even though we can't pay New Japan prices, we're having everything set up that we don't have to do anything but run a show. Right. So, you know, the powers that be, you know, you know, I made my pitch, hey, we're the guys who brought Impact Wrestling to Samsung. And, a bring, and Ring of Honor. If it wasn't for us, you guys may never have had them and made a lot of money. You know, why not make some money on Sunday? All you would do is close the room anyway. So he said they were going to look into some numbers and, uh, you know, hopefully when this airs tomorrow or by the next day, you know, I might have an answer. You know, Joey's working hard. We're getting sponsors. We got future legends back on board. You know, Casey Navarro's their boy. And they became very fond of Matt Vandergriff uh, going back on the canvas, the, the one spot in the middle that that's available, they're taken. So, you know, we know what the price is at Silver Nugget. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to imagine that Sam Town's going to come in at a bigger price, but they've always been good with the drink guarantee. So if we can get people in there, because I would never say when we were running shows before, Man, if we can get this venue, we can get more people to show. I think if FSW runs that next show at Samstown, that people will come out because it's Samstown. You right. know, that that was like, you know, even though we did the first shows at Silver Nugget, we really got our fan base booming when we were at Samstown. So I remember when we went to the Silverton for a while because we had the falling out. Uh, with Samstown trying to, you know, start gouging us on pricing after we brought them business. 
uh, we went back and and people were excited. You know, it's more middle of the of the, of the town. Right. While Silverton was the far end. And when we had that one great success with the Northside Cannery, that was on the other end. Samstown was a lot more, you know, middle of the road for a lot of people to get to where it was 15 minutes either way, you know, 20 tops. While Silverton for some people was 45 minutes, same thing with the cannery, you know, and even uh, Silver Nugget. In the North Las Vegas, it's farther out for them people who might be living in the Henderson area or the South Point and things like that. And that's why we've always wanted to get like more places. Well, the best time we had was when we would run Samstown one month and Silverton the other, you know, it gave people opportunities. You know, I knew a lot of people that they would take a bus. Well, taking a bus to Silverton didn't really work out too well because of the transfers. And now all of a sudden they're spending an hour and a half each way on top of a three hour show, you know, they're spending six, seven hours out right. and being in a bus for three hours, you know, doing three different transfers isn't the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> um, and the other thing too, that I think probably plays into the popularity of Samstown is the fact that you have uh, you have two different things that Silver Nugget doesn't really offer that is very convenient. That is, A, there's food options there before or after the show or very nearby, right in that area. And also, uh, you have the hotel, and some people do, you know, take, uh, like, Impact Weekend already be in the hotel for the impact shows and you know we'll roll out of bed sunday and come on down to your show so it just makes more sense to have kind of that you know that uh, whole uh almost what football has been wanting in all their stadiums and, and baseball is trying to do the thing now too where there's just so much entertainment and food close by that you know you just plan everything so you don't have to worry about buses or this or that. It's just everything's in one place and I can stay there for a couple of days. Is is that an, an attractive thing, uh, you know, to sell, you know, fans on that idea of having that whole experience as compared to just coming out to a show and then, you know, that's that's it. Just go home. Well, that's why it's a, it's a lot different when you go to the FSW arena. You got those hardcore fans. And right. sometimes the baby faces or the heels, you know, they overestimate their value just because of the fact that those regular fans, even though we're portraying you as a heel like we did with Remy at one time and, and Graves, that that particular fan base has grown up with them and they go to all the shows. So no matter what, they're going to like Remy. They're going to like Graves. They're going to like Cody. They're going to like these guys who've been around for a very long time. It kind of opens up a little bit more because I know specifically fans who won't come to the FSW arena shows. You know, going to Samstown isn't going to just a wrestling show. It's going to an event for the night. You could drink. You could gamble. You get drunk. You could stay in the hotel. The FSW arena, it's hot, it's smaller. You know, you got to really be passionate about the wrestling 
And we're fortunate to have a good amount of those hardcore fans. But when we open it up to the casino, now all of a sudden we broaden everything we do. You know, the casino shows put us at a different level. It's like when other companies run in town. Well, running in an arena and running in your spot that they all fit. You know, we fit maybe a little bit more, but the other places are going to fit 100, 150. And, and it brings us down to everybody's level. Our show doesn't become as special anymore. And that's why we try to make sure guys like a Hammerstone and, we're, and you're going to use guys like Bay and a lot of our guys who are loyal to FSW. Because right. if it becomes convoluted, and seven FSW guys are on that show, and seven are on this show, and, and nine are on this show, and then we have the ones on our show. Well, again, it's easy to miss. Yeah. You know, your favorite team, your favorite guy, especially if they live in Vegas, there's a good chance they're wrestling on another show in town. Yeah. You know, there's a show last week. You got Nick Xander. You got Jacob Boston Young. You know, there's – a good amount of the, the Suavecitos are on that show, you know. Then you go to the other show with Ricky, who works with us, but with Big Valley. And you got Jordan Cruz. We got Fresco. You know, we had Kenny King on the show. We have Sky High on the show. So a lot of these guys are mixing and matching. And, you know, if I'm running Saturday, they're running Friday, and somebody's running Sunday, you know, there's a good chance one of those shows or, or two out of those three shows you're not going to go to, but maybe you're excited to see Bodie wrestle somebody over there. Right. You know, but when we're doing the big casino show and all of a sudden you got these big name guys, well, we become that go-to show. I'm not Tony Khan worried that WWE is running a show against me because I'm making sure I have the best show in town. Yeah. Um, and, and with that, uh, being that, you know, Mecca is s slowly, quickly now coming, uh, around the corner. Uh, is there any other, uh, talent announcements, any match announcements, anything that is right now, uh, you know, something that can be updated for, uh, for fans? Yeah, we, we just, uh, you know, made the announcement and again since we're a day behind it'll be out there when you see this but tito escondido has been brought back uh to fsw mecca and bateman's gonna be there and danny limelight's gonna be there and you know we've already posted you know who they were you know the regulars hammerstone bay as we talked about you know gregory sharp will be there he's the nevada state champion Viva Van will be there, the women's champion, you know, working on an exciting opponent for her on, on that event. Uh, Team Filthy, that's a major announcement, uh, wow. which will consist of Tom Lawler and the 1%. I'm calling him the 1%. I don't give a fuck, <laughs> you know. So we're probably going to do a six-man tag with them. So, you know. Right now, I'm looking at an eight-match card. Uh, we're going to do the Mecca Grand Championship. 
Uh, I'm looking at a really big name as the third guy in the match, so I'm holding off, you know, what the announcement is. Uh, Nevada State title uh, is looking to be a four-way, obviously, with Gregory Sharp in there. And I can already uh, admit that Davey Richards will be in that match. So, you know, we're excited about that. And I'll be honest, I'll I'll announce the first match that the minute I saw it, I'm going to have former MK Army member Toa Leona go one-on-one with Tito Escondido. And, you know, as we say, the battle of the bruiserweights returns. And I think that is going to be a barn burn. Wow, man, that's that's a great matchup. It, it, thinking of what Tito does and can do, and what Toa does, it, that's just beef going against beef, which is going to be phenomenal. Um, especially too, you know, I know that because it's Mecca, it's a, you know, it's a bigger show, bigger names, but at the same time. Do you actually kind of take a little into consideration when you're coming up with an, a matchup like that? The idea that, hey, man, Tito is seasoned. He's a veteran. Toa is, you know, still, you know, fairly young, fairly, you know, green, but continuously growing in the business. Does that for you, putting that together, not only just anticipation of the two big men, but also that idea that we can balance a little bit of you know youthfulness in a career versus a veteran career to kind of you know have the dance work a little smoother or or give a little more uh you know seasoning to a guy like toa who a match like this is very uh, could be a very good opportunity for him to you know uh showcase what he can do with a guy like tito Okay, I'm going back and forth with my kid. I missed that question. <laughs> well, do you think when you when you look at um, when you look at a veteran and a younger guy in terms of career wise coming together in a match like that, does that do you think that for you as a promoter putting that together not only excites you in the actual matchup, but the idea that Toa gets to work with a guy who is you know really seasoned and could you know, help to grow a little bit with, you know, having a, a really decent matchup between two guys with two uh, good styles. You know, I, I, as everybody in the FSW fraternity, everybody knows I love Toa. I think this guy had the potential to be our heavyweight champion. I think the problem with Toa right now is being on the Ring of Honor brand that is not shows, he's a guy who needs work. He needs right. to get those matches under his belt. And in all honesty, you know, whoever wins the Mecca Grand Championship, uh, we can't do a whole lot better of the first opponent in a title defense being the winner of Toa versus Tito, you know. And as, as experienced as Tito is, you know, I'm pretty sure going to Japan and wrestling in some of the biggest shows and obviously the biggest shows he's ever wrestled in, and he's been universally praised. So obviously he can get the job done. I've known it for years. Yeah, you know, it's like I've always been a huge fan of of Tito 
and, and my guy Che, who I got to uh, talk with for a while. And, you know, I was used to joke how, you know, we th- they would come in and one would be in great shape and the other not so, and then the other would be in great shape and then not so. And it's like, you know, now these guys are – you know, at the top of the game, Che getting the New Japan love, you know, and, yeah. and he got to work Doc Gallows, you know, at the event. And Che's a guy that he was very, very green when Tito brought him down and said, hey, I got a guy. And I remember we saw him and I always loved his uh, his finisher. Uh, yeah. It was like kind of a slingshot, not a slingshot, but from the top rope. It was it was a pretty devastating move that he did and then chase stuck around for a long time we put him together then drifted and they came back and you know it's funny that you look at che and 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 tito they had some great feuds with hammerstone and graves uh the pistoleros and the gods of war and when they would wrestle you know the reno scum you know that was the heyday man you want to talk about the tag teams you know gods of war the following you know, Suburban Commandos, uh, Von Dooms. You know, we had s- some killer tag teams. You know, yeah. we got some good young tag teams. But, the you know, then later on, obviously, you know, y- you mix in the Whirlwind Gentlemen and, and, you know, the R&B. And then all of a sudden the 1% got involved. And, you know, we've had some great tag teams. Yeah. You know, throughout throughout the years, and I am uh, banding about. You know, as I as I called them on Facebook, that uh, I was hanging out with the alumni, which uh, could be a good name for a faction if they be coming back full time. The alumni, Tito Escondido, Che Cabrera, and the One Percent. That's a Ooh. strong faction. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I that would be very interesting to see. Uh, I don't know if Danny Limelight's considered like would be the alum part of the alumni. Like those guys were tried and true, like FSW regulars for years. Right. And you know when they talk about Team Filthy, Danny Limelight's in there, but it's like you know what? I got better ideas. You know to put Danny Limelight and make it an eight man tag. You know I don't really want to. You know, you got you got to pay a lot extra these days for Tito Escondido. You know, he's not coming in in that old Joe rate from back in the day. And it's funny because we had talked. Che had started coming back, and I talked with uh, Tito because Che has like no social media whatsoever. Right. You know, like so you have to deal with Tito. I'm like, hey, what's up with Che? Blah blah blah. He's like, well, you know, we can't come in. I'm like, yeah, obviously, I understand. You know, you're in a better position. And we got quotes on pricing, and we were working on using them, and then all of a sudden he went to Japan, and I messaged him the other day, and I'm like, hey, bro, you know, you you, you back in the country, the 23rd, love to use you. And then as we continue to talk, I, I jokingly said something about how the new rate that I got – is insignificant again at this point. Like, I never got to use the new rate, which was higher, of course, than the old rate. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, uh, my rate's changed again. And I'm like, yeah, obviously, you prick, you wrestle Okada, and you charge more money, you know? 
Well, I just looked it up, and um, the way that it translates from U.S. dollars to yen, basically, you could just pay them in a higher-looking amount in yen, and uh, it would be only like $10 U.S. So, you know, that's the easiest way is uh, just paying them in Japanese money and uh, seeing if they catch the, uh, the conversion. Uh, when when you look at the success of someone like Tito and the time it's taken to get that success, is there anyone else that sticks out in your mind that you look at and, you know, you've seen a, a trajectory that it took them a while, but they stuck with it because a lot of times you get guys who are maybe four or five years in and they get frustrated or, you know, they uh, are a little more sold on themselves than other people are and careers kind of stall or just fizzle out. What is it in terms of, you know, guys like Tito, is there anyone else that you've seen or you can think of that you've seen them stick with it and they've gone on to climb that ladder to make a name for themselves? Yeah, the number one guy for me is Ryan Taylor. You know, I remember back when we were doing Global Force and we were involved and I was pitching some stuff to Sanjay and, you know, uh, they needed a tag team. I ended up, you know, setting them up and they got to check out the Whirlwind Gentleman who they used on a show. And I remember sending him a thing on Ryan Taylor and he's like, oh, man, this guy's Jack. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, he's a phenomenal wrestler, you know, and, and nothing came about of it. And now it's six years later and, you know, he's still plodding along, you know, working the indie shows, you know, people watch him and they're like, wow, this guy can really work. And yeah. the difference with Ryan was he wasn't a, 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 a character guy, not meaning he didn't have good character. His character, he was a great wrestler. You know, you didn't really see him cut promos, you know, so it, it was a different situation. Like with us, you know, people respected the wrestling, but until he teamed up with Thomas Day and we did that group, that was like the first time he really got showcased to where he was part of something that people were intrigued with outside of the wrestling. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, Ryan Taylor, he got on Ring of Honor. And then all of a sudden it was like, that Ryan Taylor on NXT fucking with uh, I think it might have been Damian Priest I'm not sure and my my kid sends me the thing and I'm like is that fucking Ryan Taylor and it was like all of a sudden Ryan Taylor you know 15 years into the business yeah. is now getting love you know even before that a Timothy Thatcher been around a long time and then I remember at the second tryout Sanjay Dutt was really high on Bateman and sure. I'm not sure if they used them. I don't know if there was a conflict in schedule, but I think they were trying to use Bateman at one of the tapings. And they may have, I don't know. But then all of a sudden, Bateman got the Ring of Honor, the New Japan, and he's getting that opportunity. And now Jacob Austin Young and Gregory Sharp yeah. are getting the opportunity to where it's taken a long time in their careers you know, Brandon Gatson, now he's getting that GCW love, and he kind of disappeared for a while. But he was this solid guy. And it seemed like for a while, the bigger companies, if you didn't have that 
breakout personality, the fact that you were in great shape and were a good wrestler didn't mean as much. They'd rather have a great promo, you know, a great gimmick and a pretty good wrestler. Like Kevin Cross skyrocketed, not because he was the best wrestler in the world. He skyrocketed because a guy with his little experience was a phenomenal promo and character and knew exactly who he was portraying. Right. And, and that got him a lot of gigs. So, you know, 2018, 2019, pure wrestling seemed to be woken up to right. where are these guys who've been doing it, you know, look at Brian Cage and Eli Drake, you know, as successful as they were, they didn't really break out till, t- you know, I used Brian Cage and, and Eli Drake in 2009, you know, it, it, we showcased Brian when he won the IWF title. The last time we saw him was 2015 and he still was not nowhere at a level yet. Lucha Underground hadn't even appeared yet. You right. know what I mean? And it's like, so now you're talking 2009 when we first used Brian Cage, he had a brief stint in uh, developmental. So right. that means in 2016, he's probably had nine, 10 years into the business. And then you Lucha Underground came out. And I believe that was around 2017. And then all of a sudden they did, hey, look at these cool vignettes with Brian Cage. He came in and the same thing, guys like Ricochet. And and all of a sudden that was their first opportunity to break through to a wider audience. Right. You know, and it takes a long time. Chris Bay and and, and Cross, I, I guess we're lucky. The three FSW guys... Cross, Sefa, and Bay, they had a meteoric rise. You know, in two or three years, they were in major companies. Well, and and throw in uh, throw in Zoe Stark into that too. Well, yeah, she had been you know plodding along in Utah, not doing a lot in you know probably six years of wrestling, and then within a year, because we got her the opportunity at Impact. And she got to work Jordan Grace, and she got to work Tessa, and obviously Tom Howard behind the scenes, because there wasn't anything going on in Utah. And Tom, Tom will tell anybody who he speaks to that the move to Vegas and going to FSW was the best thing that they ever did. Yeah, yeah, it's just amazing how those those choices that um, you know these these people who have gone on to become legitimate talents, the choices that they made to get themselves to FSW, um, there's no doubt that the payoff, it wasn't just, you know, you could have that kind of drive, determination and passion, but if you're in a place where you can't continuously train, continuously grow, you know, get in at different times of the day or different times, you know, of the week uh, or consistently through a full week. Um, You know, it just proves that the ground that you guys provide 
is just such a invaluable uh, resource because there's not a lot of opportunities out there to, you know, just be able to focus your life on becoming a professional wrestler as opposed to, yeah, I'm a wrestler, but, you know, at the same time, I, I got to pay my bills. So, it, you know, it's such a it's a, such a tight um, thing that, you know, can if you're passionate about it, can kind of conflict with your heart and your reality. Um, now, with that, you know, you had all these people who were who were, um, you know, able to to make that rise. What is it that you could say to people who have that kind of, uh, I don't want to say roadblock, but in a sense that, you know, their regular everyday life sometimes kind of intersects and interferes with them growing as a performer, uh, whether it be in training, whether it be getting bookings, um, what is it advice wise that you could give to these, you know, people who might be in it two, three, four years and are still struggling, but still have that passion. They haven't settled. They haven't, you know, gotten that big ego. They are determined to make it, but there are those things that life throws in front of you. How, how can you give them some advice to overcome that, to reach the heights that some of those people we just talked about have reached? Well, in most cases, a lot of these guys are their own worst enemy. You know, you know, they take too much to heart or the work ethic is there. But there's always something that that stands in the way, you know, you know, when you look at the younger talent, you, you know, you see, you know, everybody sees that Matt Vandegrift and, and Jay Vidal, they broke out in 2021 okay they've had some years in the business you know matt transformed his body he transformed the look jay vidal really opened up personality wise was always a good worker but needed to find himself and the problem is usually a year or two in you're just starting to get matches it's like you can't you can't get the total package that quickly in most yeah. cases. And so a lot of times, a lot of these guys are going to be frustrated because they feel that they should be there, but they're only here. And everything takes time. You know, everybody thinks they're ready to be the champion. You know, yeah. everybody believes that. And, you know, we joke about some of our guys, you know, and where they feel they're at or who, how much better they are than these other people. And it's like, you know, it's consistency, right? You know, you can have a great match, but then the next show you have a really shitty match. Yeah. And you need to understand that that's what's going to happen regardless. When you're a 15 year veteran, you're still going to have shitty matches. It's going to happen. You know, I always reference when uh, Eli Drake wrestled Kenny King at the Silverton. Uh, Kenny had been off TV, maybe gained a couple extra pounds, probably wasn't really doing some wrestling stuff in a while. Eli Drake had just gotten released from WWE, but 
he had formed his little clique with, uh, you know, now known as Dak Draper and even Troy McLean, who was down there and, you know, a few others. So they weren't really getting a lot of ring time. Right. So now it's like, oh, man, we got Kenny King, Eli Drake. This is going to be great. And they were blown up, you know, a minute and a half into the match. And they, they plotted along. And what a shitty match it was. You know? And what can you do? Right. It's going to happen. You know, the, they hadn't been in the ring a lot recently. There was a lot of rust. And even though they've known each other numerous times meeting, they just didn't have a good match. And, you know, guys like Jay Vidal and Vandegrift, they're at the point now where most of the time, and that's when you know you're getting there, that when you universally are having one of the best matches on the show, because you're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. But it takes a while to get there. And then you're going to have a bump in the road. How do you react to that? What do you do? Oh, shit. You know, uh, Joe had Sean Devari, who's a producer at WWE, come down to watch the show because his best friend Chris Masters is on it. And now he's taking a look at me. Oh, shit. D'Lo Brown, who at the time is, you know, talent relations for Impact, and he's commentating my match. I'm going to think if I do a fucking bang up job, that might help me get noticed. Yeah. You know, there's those people rolling around, you know, the whole locker room area. Kenny King, you know, he's helped people when he was in Ring of Honor. Where a Chris Bay, a Damian Drake, a Maserati, you know, got on those shows. Yeah. Why did they get on the shows? Because, you know, Delirious knew who they were? Fuck no. It was because Kenny King said, hey, you know, get my guy a match. You know, I remember at Global Force, I believe it was, uh, Gregory Sharp got a, a pre-show match against Scorpio Sky, you know, and got yeah. an opportunity. No, sorry. I think it was at Ring of Honor that he ended up uh, working him. Uh, I think we were at Global Force when I found out because I think they might have been running that week or, or, or so. it was something like that. Gotcha. But it's having those connections because, again, there's a lot of great wrestlers that are coming along. And I say there's more now than ever because back in the day when we were doing the IWF, whatever, 2013, 2014, you had that rise of who those younger guys were going to be, the Rich Swans, the Ricochets, the Tony Nieces, the Young Bucks. They weren't really signed to anybody yet. Right. We had the Bucks before they were really breaking out in – ring of honor and then all of a sudden it's like oh okay well you know we can't use ricochet and swan and hey all these guys they're in uh you know lucha underground now or whatever it is that they moved on to bigger and better things and now all of a sudden we got shane strickland and ar fox and and trevor lee and you know a who's who there right but you knew who those next guys were. Nowadays, it's like, how many of them are now signed to AEW? So now you're getting all these other super indie guys. Impact's got them. AEW's got them. WWE's got them. New Japan's got them. But I could still go out 
and put together a Mecca show and I can still use Davy Richards. I could still use TJP, but I can use the rising guys of the of the limelights and Matt Vandegrift and Jay Vidal and Atoa and Atito and, and that you can find talent everywhere. Right. You know, take the ten guys that we already signed for Mecca. I can get you ten more guys of equal value to use if they all couldn't make it. Right. And I'm not sure five years ago, eight years ago, you were able to do that. And that's with one less major company who's literally signed 150 motherfuckers on that on AEW. Yeah. You know, and again, a lot of them have freedom to work, but having freedom to work and then being able to be utilized is a totally different thing. Because guys like a Brian Cage and Jay Lethal and guys I talk to who have regular contracts, hey, we can't work Fridays. Rampage is on. We can't do that. Uh, in most cases, winning and losing is a, uh, a, a big factor. Right. You know, they got to get everything okayed. While Impact, a lot of guys are more on per-show basis. MLW, Hammerstone, Jacob Fatu, Davey Richards. They have a contract, and they can't work those other shows that have TV, the impact, things like that. But it's also a situation where we had it when, when you know, Teddy Hart was going to be wrestling in a match against John Morrison. Well, he was their middleweight champion and tag team champion. And, yeah. you know, we thought he was full of shit because, you know, sometimes Teddy was full of shit. But it seemed like it was a normal thing with MLW that, no, you cannot work Morrison and lose to him because at the time he's the impact champion. Right. You, you know what I mean? Right. And it's like, you know, got to do schmaz, got to do schmaz, got to do schmaz. So I don't like doing them on those shows. Right. You know, the reason why I got a couple of guys pegged for – the three-way for the Mecca Grand Championship. And the thing is, for the companies they work with, I need to have the freedom to be able to book it the way I want to book it. Sure. The guy who's got to take, take the fall, whatever, you know, who is going to be. And in one case, the guy in the past hasn't been able to do it. He's worked for us. And in the other case, you know, it's a big name guy who sometimes doesn't want to do it. Sure. It's like, I can't put somebody in there because I know who's in the match and I know there's somebody there who can't either. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I can't have the Mecca grand championship you know, decided by winner by countdown and new champion. People will go fucking nuts. I'd go fucking nuts. So wait, are you saying that uh, the uh, the first two people in the uh, Mecha Championship match are CM Punk and Kenny Omega? There you go. <laughs> no, they're the guys we're talking to. In case they get fired, maybe they want to show up. The backup plan, plan, plan. B. Actually, I'm trying to put together the uh, CM Punk and Ace Steel versus the Young Bucks match. So, crossing my fingers on that one. 
Colt Cabana on uh, I'm not sure whose side. <laughs> you would think not CM Punk's, but if you had Omega, you got to put Cabana on Punk's side. Right. That it's all a giant work. That that's why he started talking about him in the press conference because they've realigned. Yeah, and we're gonna go after the trios title, but it got a little out, the work got a little out of hand. You know what? Actually, I did see uh, a couple people float that idea out there that yeah, this was all set up for Punk and Cabana to come back together. Again, this is wrestling. Everybody <laughs> looks at everything as it's got to be a work. Right. Like people who said, "See, I knew the MJF thing was a work." No, it wasn't. It became a work. Right. And, and that's when, you know, hopefully greater minds prevail and they figure out a way to make things happen. And as I said with the AEW thing, if it was a work, it was the worst work in the history of the business because it made the company look like fucking dog shit. Right. Like the MJF thing is one thing. But in that situation, you know, I like I read, you know, I, I love listening to guys like Eric Bischoff and even right. Vince Russo and the, and Cornette and the, as wacky as some of those guys may be, you know, Bischoff made a great point. Like he literally eviscerated Tony Khan right in front of his face without right. any repercussion or thoughts or worried about it because He's in a position, in my opinion, CM Punk, that if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. I'll leave again. I could care less. Yep. You know, he, he didn't need wrestling for years. You know, people forget that part of the reason CM Punk left, as he said, you know, he was tired of the fans. But right. I mean, he could make money off him. He had not a lot of good positive things to say about wrestling fans. Right. He didn't have a lot of positive things to say about wrestling in general. And all of a sudden, he became the savior to somebody who doesn't even like you. Right. You know, but hey, you're gonna, you gonna you all want to buy my shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees. I'll go sign autographs, but I have no interest in, in, in talking with you. Right. So, you know, Tony Khan, I can't believe, could not have stopped it. Yeah. Like... I don't know how I would have reacted in that situation at that level, but I'm not sure I wouldn't be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or how many times you see it with the president anywhere in press conferences, it starts getting out of hand. All right, we're done. No more we're questions. Done. We're the done. fuck we're out done. of here. And you shut the motherfucker's mic off. Yeah. Like, why did you allow him? You know, what did, what did even Colt Cabana have to do with, with with that? Like, like he egged it on. Right. Right. Um, and I was this, – this stat blew my mind. It was brought to my attention a, a couple days ago by a friend of mine. So not counting Moxley because he was the intern champion, uh, essentially. Uh, the last two – AEW title reigns lasted 11 days and three days. So that really is just kind of shocking. Hey, and, know, that, and, was long, that was longer than Chris Bay's no limit reign, you know? 
Well, and it's it's amazing because those 11 days and those three days were all CM Punk. So the guy has legitimately held their title for 14 days, and he acts like he's the biggest thing on, you know, the planet. Well, and, and now it comes out again that he got hurt. Right. And he was going to be out another eight months. So it's crazy. I heard the suspension is uh, seven months and 29 days. So, you know, he'll be ready just to be back in time. Yeah. And, the, right. you know, the thing is, it's like you're going to go back to an interim champion again. Yeah. And now, well, you did it with the, and now you did it with the women's belt. Like, okay, doing it one time. We did it one time. We thought it was cute. I thought, hey, you know what? Nobody does it in wrestling. So we had a scheduling issue when uh, Matt Hardy was supposed to wrestle Ka- uh, Killer Cross. And then all of a sudden he had to go to uh, Lucha, Lucha Underground. We're like, what the fuck? So I came up with the brilliant idea because it was a way to get Matt Hardy as the champion again. Right. Except Matt Hardy didn't kick out at three against Kenny King. And we had to all play stupid. And Pauly Cobra had to wave off the fall. And being because Matt Hardy was so popular, nobody gave a fuck that Kenny King got screwed because he hit him with the move. One, two, three, light as day. Everybody's looking around. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? This just ruined everything. And then we, bye, 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 get on the mic. Paulie, he, he takes out the ref. He becomes the referee. And Matt Hardy wins. And then we did uh, the first ever again, you know, we're trendsetters. We did the first ever, you know, wrestling interim champion. And then we had both belts. You know, we had the shitty $300 belt that all independent wrestling companies start off with. Right. And this one to actually buy another belt. But we started with that one. And it says world wrestling champion. It's like the old, uh, you know, WCW, whatever belt it is. And we had both belts hanging from the ceiling inside a steel cage. So now we had a steel cage match where we had to get the ladder in the match with Matt Hardy and Cross. And then Rocky hung the fucking belt so low that you could probably have reached it from the fourth rung. And it was like the most awkward. It, it, it was literally the worst steel cage match since Greg Romero versus Rush. You know, that one lasted like five minutes. It was like, what the fuck just happened? And it was the same thing, but it was Cross and and, uh, and Matt Hardy to where Cross regained the title. That was when it was Big Money Matt. He aligned with Pauly Cover, and we did the heel thing. And it worked because Matt laid out Cross. You know, it looked yeah. like he was making the save. He was wrestling Eli Drake, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, so... Uh, you know this interim title, and now they're now they're already trying to overuse it, and it's like every everything is obsolete. So everybody paid for a pay per view. Oh, by the, by the next show, they're the two champions aren't the champions anymore. Well, and uh, this time it looks like there's no interim for that because <laughs> I think they figured out that they 
they were in this time a serious position. It wasn't just an injury because um, doing some digging and a, a little, you know, little inside info. Um, they're the legitimate. battle for the interim trios title. <laughs> but it it seems like you know with with the investigation that is going on. Um, because of the fact that no one could say anything about anything, they didn't even say it on TV. They just went straight for the, this is, you know, it's a tournament to determine new champion and that's it. Um, same with the trios, uh, you know, Hey, this match is now the trios championship. Um, kind of like in WWE when they stripped CM Punk and he left the company and before they even had the finals to crown a new champion, CM Punk was already back. <laughs> you know, his his name is just associated with so many just unbelievably selfish moments. It's it's like I you're right. The guy hates the fans. So, but luckily for you though, you've got a lot of guys who like the fans. And Future Shock is coming up this Saturday, the 17th at 6 p.m. at the FSW Arena. Uh, I know you have uh, one guy who you just announced who is part of the New Talent Initiative. Uh, tell us a little bit about what we'll see on Saturday. Well, you know, we, we always get people that reach out and it's like, hey, blah, 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 we're interested. So uh, this gentleman, Anthony Katana, uh, hit me up. I guess he's friends with Anthony Green, who, of course, has, you know, a lot of friends in FSW from work in Paragon and stuff back in the day, plus working in Portland. So he's friends with all those with that crew. And he hit me up and I'm like, hey, bro, this, you know, this is how it works. You can get yourself out here. You know, we're in no position. And, and currently he's working at OVW. He did some AEW stuff. 6'2", 235. If you heard his promo, you could see he talks very well. Kind of reminded me of uh, AJZ a little bit. Yes. Uh, A little less flamboyant, a little more serious. Physically, he kind of reminded me, uh, I I forgot what name he uses. We used him at the uh, Wrestling Observer Show. And he used to be uh, Antonio Thomas, I think, the guy from the Heartbreakers or whatever it was. If you remember, yeah, they they had a brief run in WWE, but now he's more of the shooty wrestler guy with the glasses, and all of a sudden he's got he's like this superior Matt wrestler. And we had him work on the show. He might have worked Alvarez at the one. I forgot what name he used, but that's what he kind of reminded me of physically. And you know, the idea is we you know we want to get some good matches going as well as getting the the younger blood. You know, there's probably four or five people who have never wrestled on a, in a match before. Uh, I digress with that. Andy Delgado, uh, he was part of going to China, you know, years ago. And he came back and then yeah, he was at a Hoovy uh, seminar and he did a spot and fucked it up and he broke his collarbone. And then he kind of disappeared for a couple of years. And now he's back. So... He was actually uh, part of the crew with Thomas Day. Yeah. You know, he was the, uh, what was it called? What's that slow-moving creature? 
Uh, they do the commercial on Geico. They, they move really slow. Sloth. The sloth, that's right. So he wrestled in the sloth head years ago. So he's having his first match back in years. Uh, we got one of our women trainees, Tanaya, and we're still working on the, the opponent for her. Uh, Raw Reese is back. Uh, Oliver Canaday, who's had uh, two good matches in his career. He wrestled Sin Bodhi and Gregory Sharp, and, and you know, he, he did really well. Uh, we also got, you know, two of our champions on hand. Gregory Sharp and, and Matt Vandergriff will be there. So one idea is for uh, Vandergriff to work uh, Anthony. And the other option is, here's a big boy, big mouth. Uh, maybe him and uh, Grizz Brody could be uh, uh, a, a nice match yeah. uh, for Grizz as he, you know, tries to climb the ladder. And it's a good match for him. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who we feel has tons of potential. Matt Vandergriff's had a lot of great matches against a lot of great people. Maybe, yep. uh, maybe we reward, you know, one of the younger guys and give him the opportunity. And then instead of rewarding one of the guys, you know, one of the people that annoy the fuck out of me, Maybe we have them work Gregory Sharp. And Greg can beat the fuck out of him. Because Greg so, likes doing that. So, so we know who Danny's wrestling? Is that what you're saying? Possibly, because we could have somebody like Ricky wrestle Matt Vandergriff. It's true. So Danny needs something. So maybe it's that. You never know. And in all honesty, I haven't really put all the card together. I'm trying to get all the names and faces. Manny Lemons makes his return. Yeah. How, how cool He wants to redeem himself after that uh, miserable match last show he was part of. You know, it wasn't really his fault. He didn't really get in there very much. But, yeah. again, younger guys, and, and it, it's going to happen. You're going to have shitty matches. And I think uh, you also got uh... – Devin Reno and uh, Kevin Koa? Yeah, Koa's going to work a singles match. Uh, Devin Reno might be working Manny Lemons. Well, I'd be that. You know, that's the coolest thing, too. I, do you think that sometimes the the guys who were at FSW, who train at FSW, they don't realize, uh, as maybe some of the guys coming from other places, how – it is a unique opportunity that you could have a guy like Manny Lemons to work a younger guy and give them experience like that. Uh, it just, it just seems like sometimes that it's taken for granted that these opportunities are there and, you know, other guys who come in appreciate that opportunity to learn and grow from some of these, these veteran guys. You know, I, I can't put over the Arizona guys enough. So I'm, at the New Japan show at Sam's Town, I'm talking to somebody, and I look over, and it's like, hey, that guy kind of looks like Koa. And I go back to talking, and then all of a sudden, who's there? Koa, Devin Reno, and Grizz Brody. You know, they train with Clark Connors, right. and that's great and all, but they still had to drive six hours to be there. Right. 
And unless the handful, you know, cut off two fingers, you know, there, there was a few of our guys there that were helping out and doing the ring crew and doing stuff. But, you know, where were all the other younger talents? Hey, is there anything I can do? Is anything needed? You know, do you guys need people? You know, we just want to be here to, you know, watch, observe, learn, and be of, be of any help we can. And I'm not saying that those guys, you know, assisted because I think they came in and and when the doors opened. But the fact of the matter is they made the trek all the way there. And, you know, it it just seems like some people have, as we talked earlier, you know, basically starting the show about the, the, the desire, the work ethic, you know, what people are willing to put in. Hey, you know can't really make it today talk to a couple of the younger guys i'm like bro you know you're you're always able to make it when we have a future shock and you're going to be on the show oliver for example it's like but for some reason when we don't have a show that you're on it's impossible for you to get here and it's a total package of things on this show there's more younger guys than we would ever use on another show but when we do high octane on october 8th there's definitely going to be one two three slots that are open that are needed for some enhancement you know something that we need for for a spot and it's like you know if you're not around i'm not going to reward you and it's less of an issue when there's five spots and there's only four guys for them. I still need to find the spot. Right. But we have a lot of younger people that are, are almost on the verge of being ready. So now all of a sudden you got that position where there's nine people for the five spots. Right. And yeah. the fact that you might sell a ticket, I, I love that. I appreciate that because there's some people who think they're so valuable. And it's like, motherfucker, you've never sold one ticket. Like You couldn't even get your family to spend $10 to support you. Right. Right. So how are you of value to me when I'm putting together a show? If you're not that ready yet, I can go out for little to no money, bring in somebody who wants to work here. That's way better. And as I said in the past, the reason why you don't see all these out of town guys, or you didn't see Tito for a while or Che or Gadsden, or Eli, or 1%, or whatever it is, it's because we're trying to get the students who've paid their dues and have kind of gotten to a point where they might be able to be used on a show. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, as we've seen, by announcing the Tito's and the Limelight's and the 1% and the Che Cabrera's and the Gatsons and the Eli's and, and all these guys, Jordan Cruz, class when he comes back, those are people that are at a higher level. So all I'm looking at is if you're here and you're here, why am I using you? Right Now, if you're not going to be around to help and shit, well, then that becomes a whole different story. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just interesting that uh, you just see that um, – that desire and that commitment uh 
and sometimes when it's in your own backyard you you know you flake on it and it just it's like do you want to do this for your life uh you know as a professional or do you want to just have it as your hobby and uh be able to say you're a wrestler etc uh as we uh, finish up here uh any final words uh for uh the listeners well you know future shock back in the day i think we might have just called it the student showcase or whatever but future shock is where carrion cross made his debut it's where solo sokoa made his debut it's probably where chris bay made his debut and you know you can come and see you know matt vandegrift jay vidal you know those guys work those shows you know if you're a fan of professional wrestling you're a fan of fsw you know i saw one of our fans jay you know talking about uh you know that basically the specific thing you know he got to see these vegas guys that are in the main event their very first fucking match of their careers you know it's crazy how you can go back to that watch it on the fsw network and you know that opportunity continues yeah and is there somebody that you're gonna see and watch them break out to become the next big thing next big deal you know, look, look, look at the FSW, you know, alumni from the trainees that, that started there. Right. You know, and all we're trying to do is, I'm a wrestling fan, so I'm trying to get the best wrestling on there. And right. being that we have the three stages of shows, the Future Shock, which is generally the students, and then the vets who started at future shock and saw the other vets that were vets at the time give back by working with them right they give back now to where you know i get a message from clutch hey if you need somebody to work a younger guy i'm here you know love to do it sharp's always done it jacob austin young would drive from arizona if i need him to if i want him to work the show cody hit me up hey you know, I'm available. Oasis, I guess he worked Monday Night Raw the other night. Uh, up in, uh, against Omos. I'm like, are yeah. they in California? No, they're up in uh, Portland, uh, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he used his Washington connection. Yeah. And because who was the other guy? Was it Kevin Blackwood or no? I don't, I don't remember, but I think that it was Blackwood, I believe. And it's like the younger talent need to appreciate these guys yeah, because they're doing them a favor. They're working for less than their rate because they understand it's a student showcase and they understand it's the opportunity. And of course you try to mix in the new talent. That's how Jordan Cruz got started in FSW class started in there and he was basically new talent initiative, used them on that show. And he became the Nevada State champion. Yeah. Obviously, he came highly recommended from from Dom and Gallo and Hammerstone and Graves. So, you know, that's the opportunity for our students to get their first breaks. And it's also the opportunity for established talent from other areas who aren't known and they're willing 
because they're putting in the time, they're putting in the effort, and they understand. Like I explained to this guy who's worked these shows, like, yeah, if you can get yourself out here, you know, the pay is not going to be what your rate is. Your pay is going to be minimal for the show, the type of show we're doing. And in most cases, guys are like, hey, I understand. You know, I'm trying to get my foot in the door because they see getting their foot in the door can obviously lead to bigger and better things. Yeah. So, you know, Future Shock is the chance to see, you know, hey, you may see stuff that's on Botchamania and you may see stuff that, you know, guys headlining and, and future no limits nevada state women's champions right and you get to say you saw them first or even wwe champions yeah yeah uh it's it's something that i think is very important um and if uh you know fans like uh discovering new talent or, or getting in on talent while they're you know younger um it's it's a great resource for wrestlers, great resource for fans to, uh, you know, to see the baby steps that uh, some guys take to climb that ladder and and eventually become a champion. Um, And of course the FSW network, you can see future shock Saturday. If you do subscribe for six 99 a month. Uh, But if you're in Vegas, come on down to the arena and uh, see it up close and personal uh, because that space is, you know, uh, we're, we're finally we're finally at the point where we're now starting to be in the 80s, 90s. So knock on wood, it's not as uh, it's not as hot. The summer's kind of coming to an end. Yeah, that's that 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 is thankful. Yeah. So so that's another you know reason it's a Sunday. It's uh, or a Saturday. Sorry, 6 p.m. Uh, so, you know, come on out, take the kids, uh, you know, out for an evening and then uh, you're back home by, you know, nine o'clock right in time for bedtime. Right. So it's uh, it's a good good way to get to know some of the uh, the guys you haven't seen before and uh, uh, should be a pretty solid show. Um, and as we wrap up, Joe, uh, first weekend of football. Any uh, opinions, uh, feelings on what's going on? And uh, you think the Giants have a shot? <laughs> have a shot what? To not come in last place? Maybe. <laughs> it's the only shot they got. I'll tell you what. So I'm in this, uh, a survival pool. And last year, I had Tennessee as a big favorite. They lost. So, right. of course, this year I wasn't going to take Tennessee, even though I was like, ah, how do I not take them against the Giants? I took what I thought was the easiest game on the board. Even though Baltimore Ravens over the Jets should have been, I figured the Colts over the Texans. And uh, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's 20 to 3. I'm going to get knocked out in week fucking one again? Like, seriously? So they make the comeback. They end up tying, thank goodness. Right. Because, first off, the Texans, I guess, missed a 28-yard field goal with like 40 seconds to go because – the idiots from the Colts, he he muffed the punt and gave them the ball with less than a minute to go. And they somehow that, – that it just shows you how the shitty kickers are still shitty kickers. Right. Having a good kicker is worth more than the backup quarterback. Yeah. 
You know, even the great kicker from Cincinnati missed a couple, and he and he bangs a fifty-seven yarder. That would have been good for seventy. Okay, yeah. so I survived that because I also have my teasers, where I have the Colts, and they have to lose on one ticket less than three. They're getting three. They're getting five. They're getting six. Okay. Well, they're losing twenty to three, and I have them on most of my tickets, and I'm like, motherfuckers, wiping me out. Oh, I got a reprieve. They come back, they tie, my teasers are good. Okay, now I got the Green Bay Packers figuring a rivalry game. I'm getting 11 and a half points. That's all they got to lose by. They're down 7 nothing early. They're at the one-yard line. They get stopped. I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose. Now it's 20 to nothing. I nap on the couch before I go to New Japan. I wake up and Green Bay's at the one again. They score the touchdown. They're like 20 to 7 late in the third quarter. I got another bet that it's uh, they got to go over 34. Okay. And they don't score and they lose 23 to 7. And it was like, I'm looking at the score thing at, at, at Samstown. And they had it first and 10 at the 27 yard line with like three and a half minutes to go. You're down by. Third, you're down by uh, 16, so usually you'll get that gimme touchdown. Right. And then I guess they had fourth and one, and they didn't make it, and the game ends. So I lose the bet because it didn't go over, and then it cost me a couple of teasers. So needless to say, I end up with a shitty fucking week one. Uh, my buddy in New York invited me, so we're in a uh, pool where you got to pick all the games by the spread. And I think I'm in second place out of like 30 people. So most of the games I picked went well because I picked Minnesota against the spread, but I picked Green Bay because I think they were going to lose by less than a certain number. So, yeah, right. it was extremely aggravating as always. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's fun to see uh, it back uh, for, uh, you know, the winter. Uh, and it's it's – it's always fun to see the new stories and uh, and to know that the only consistent in life is that the New York Jets are one of the worst franchises in the history of uh, sports. So, Joe Flacco had to throw the ball fifty-seven times. The guy's like a hundred years old. Poor guy. <laughs> like, how is this dude still in the league? Like, I don't get it. Well, he's still in the league because he's playing for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, but even, you know, the Jets had the hottest quarterback in preseason. I guess he used to play for the Cardinals. And it's like he was young back then. And I know all Cardinal fans because, you know, Clutch and all these guys because they're from Arizona. Oh, he sucked. We tried to get him. We needed to win against the playoffs. It's like, okay, this kid was a rookie drafted out of like South Dakota State who made the team. And he was like the fourth string quarterback and three people got hurt and he was thrown into the mix. Like, what do you expect the guy to fucking do? Right. You know, but like this preseason, he came back three big victories from behind. And then they signed him to the practice squad with guys who don't get the job done. Like he, he, he may have been up against bums and the third stringers and everything else, but so was the other quarterbacks. Right. And they couldn't yeah. move the ball. How yeah. about giving the guy an opportunity to see if it's a fluke or it's not a fluke? Yeah. Yeah, Who I guess. He's got Joe Flacco. He's going to throw three-yard passes. 
all game long. Right. And like that. It's it's just slow death watching the Jets. Yeah, and then anytime they give any any indication that there's hope, they just it something immediately horrible happens. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right, it's the Jets. But you know, it, is their quarterback any good? Who knows? Right. You know, I get it. You know, he deserves to be the number one quarterback. Not like in San Francisco where, oh, wait, I took you to the NFC Championship game. Then I took you to the Super Bowl. Defense didn't hold, and that's the only reason why we lost. Then again, I took you to the NFC Championship game after I won two games on the fucking road. Right. And beat Green Bay, who was the favorite. Right. And I don't even get an opportunity to be the starter. Like, okay, we're going to have – we like Trey Lance. He was a top draft pick. We're going to give him an opportunity to win the job. Job's up for grabs. No, we're going to sit you out. We're going to give him the job. We're going to try to trade you, even though you came off shoulder surgery. And Trey Lance shits the bed in the the preseason against backup people. Right. And then he starts the game, doesn't play well. They're up 10-0. Because of him, maybe they weren't up twenty-four to nothing, and then they lose to the shitty Bears, yeah, who looked like shit, and still oh. end up winning. Cost me a teaser. I had San Francisco plus six and a half, even though I picked the Bears. I figured, okay, you know, when I bet teasers, you got to bet four or five teams, so you're getting additional points, so both sides could win. So it's like I had Chicago because I was like, at home getting nineteen points, I gotta like Chicago. Yeah. But let me offset a little bit and then put it on the 49ers. And, of course, they, they cost me because they couldn't score at the end. But they're up 10 nothing at halftime, and I'm getting six and a half points against the Bears. Right. In, in slosh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but anybody who does bet out there, go look week one, teams that you're shocked or they can't believe they lost or you can't believe they won. The next week, everybody's on them or against them, and the total opposite happens. Right. So, all of a sudden, the shitty team like the Bears, now people are going to be like, oh, man, the Vikings are great. Oh, the Bears. Got to bet the Bears. Oh, Green Bay sucks. Green Bay got killed by New Orleans last year, and they still ended up 13-3. and well, and that's a and that's a very good point because the Bears and the Packers play on Sunday night, so that's a great instance where you're going to get people taking the Bears because the Packers were so bad, and the Packers are going to destroy the Bears just because. Being a Bears fan, I know the Packers just kill the Bears, but it's going to swing stuff because of Week One, and that's hysterical how that always happens. Yeah, and I saw – I forgot the line. I don't know who it was that I was like, Jesus Christ, they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I think it was the uh, the Chiefs. I don't know who they're playing this week. But they're playing a solid team. It was either that or the Ravens. And because the Chiefs look so great, oh, it's the Chiefs of old. Well, no, they're not as great as they were. Arizona's got shitty defense. And, like, there's a team there that they were – the top seed in the NFC last year. So I teased them getting 16 and a half points and they were down the whole game. Like I needed a late touchdown for them to cover it, but they lost by 20 something points. Yeah. 
And, you know, Mahomes looked like the greatest quarterback who ever lived. For, but for a while, that's what I thought he was. The Cowboys. You know, I thought, okay, Tom Brady's got the issues with the wife. He hadn't been around. You know, the Cowboys, maybe this is their year. And they, it didn't matter that when Prescott was in, they still couldn't score. Right. Well, I think that's uh, that's definitely uh, the the lesson for today, and that is uh, if you if you go against your instinct, you're probably uh, you're probably better off. Is that what I'm I'm hearing? Well, back back in the day, um, when my dad worked at General Motors, I we oh. had a buddy a buddy of mine. Uh, my buddy Tony, he was a bookmaker or a bookie to people. Yeah, sure. So in New York, where you couldn't bet legally, you know, everybody used to have the tickets, the parlay right. tickets. And the parlay tickets were the worst odds in, like, in the world. You know, if you, if you go to Vegas and you bet a five-team parlay, you're probably going to get, like, 25 to 1. Here you're getting, like, 15 to 1 if you're lucky, Okay. So, my father worked at uh, the GM plant in Tarrytown. So, there's a lot of people there, you know. So, we took over. Like, I would get the parlay cards, but I wouldn't turn them in. We would, like, bookmake them ourselves. Okay. And every single week, I would always do the same thing. Okay. So, you want to know who's going to hurt you if they win and it would be like, okay, there's 25 tickets. And 22 took Green Bay and three took Minnesota. You could almost guarantee Minnesota was going to cover the spread. Right. Whoever the public liked, in most cases, would lose. Right. And yeah. it's in most cases, they're going to take the favorites. And that's why I did good on my, my ticket. Because you look at it and it's like, how do the Broncos not kill Seattle? But they're six-and-a-half-point favorite at home on the road. And for some reason, you people don't have the mindset. To me, Geno Smith's the worst quarterback in football. He sucked with the Jets for six years until they got rid of him, and he's been a backup for six more. Like, how is this guy a starting quarterback? And then, of course, I'm looking 12 for 12, 182 yards and two touchdowns. Like, what the fuck? Like, Denver's supposed to have good defense. But the thing is that the public is generally going to be wrong. Yeah. Everybody wants to bet the favorite. So a, a team that's a six and a half point favorite should be a four point favorite, but the, or a five point favorite. They're always going to move the line up a little bit because everybody's going to want to bet Tampa Bay, Kansas City, the Ravens, teams that have been traditionally good. Right. You know, and. The underdogs were really strong this week. And that's how it usually is because you're really not sure about the team that was good last year that's kind of changed up a little. Like San Francisco, for example. They got a new quarterback, didn't look good in the preseason. He's a rookie, basically. On the road, and they're a touchdown favorite. In the NFL, it's the NFL. As shitty as the team is, a lot of teams do not win by more than a touchdown. Right. So, one eight hundred Joe wins. I'll give you the breakdown of each week. You know, season package one hundred forty nine ninety nine. 
or you can give me a thousand dollars and I'll put your logo on the canvas and I'll give you a game for free every week. <laughs> well, there you go, everyone. Uh, it's on the table. If you want Joe's betting advice, sponsor FSW. And you can get your money back in six weeks. Exactly. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.